Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Tefillah Outlined, a podcast that's dedicated to learning about both the overall structure of davening as well as the details within each section of Tefillah. The goal of this set of shiurim is more than simply just to translate the words of davening. It's to get an appreciation and overall understanding of the flow of each section of Tefillah and get an appreciation of the general themes that davening conveys to the one who recites um, it every single day. Tefillah is very much structured. And we would like to explore that structure as well as the many different subsections within that system to get a deeper appreciation of what we're saying every single day. When trying to understand an idea or a general description of an experience, the best way for many people, including myself, is to give over not just the details of that experience, but also the general picture, the mosaic of that experience. And that is no less true by tefillah, in which we need both an appreciation of the general idea of tefillah it's, a, it's themes, as well as the in-depth appreciation of the words that we're saying in real time. Tefillah is something that should be analyzed. The Mesir Sasharim in Perak Aleph notes that there, the idea of reciting Tehillim and the analysis of Tehillim is something important for every single person. And he explains that Tehillim is full of, in his language, Ava, Yira, Mini Chasidus, all these different positive impressions that a person can have when he says Tehillim. And when he thinks about them and analyzes them properly, he will not be withheld to be being awakened from them. He'll have this awakening to follow the words that he's saying and follow in practice the ideas that are being elicited in his, in his recital of Tehillim. And that is no less true in the Tefillah, which is very much based off uh, Tehillim in general. The Yalka Shimoni Tehillim Parakites Pasuk Tehillim notes the Davra Melch, when he recited the Pasuk, Yehu L'Ratzon Mirfi, he was requesting that, that people should not just recite Tehillim in the language of, this, of, the, of the Medrash, Kesif Emiris, like some literature book that doesn't require an analysis. person should recite them and think about them and receive the reward as if one is learning a complicated topic in, in Gemara and Halacha to again appreciate the importance of not just saying Tehillim, saying the Tefillah, that is based off the Tehillim, but to understand it and appreciate it and internalize it. The need for us to learn about davening is, is very important. Tefillah is an important part of our day. It's something that we take a lot of time to invest. If you do the math, it could be that you're coming to shul and davening, the equivalent of 20 full days each year, not to mention the commute to go and from the, the, the Besa Knesses. Aside from the time commitment, the general experience of Tefillah will obviously be enhanced when one understands what he's saying. And specifically, when one recites davening and understands the types of praise that we're saying during the davening, the types of requests that we're asking during that time, it allows us to glean from our own experiences and, and translate them into our davening. If you notice, during the davening and, and what we say during davening, we're talking about praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's really simply a, davening is simply a framework where we can import our own experiences, our own feelings, and translate them and use it within the framework of tefillah to maximize our connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if we don't understand what we're saying or the framework of what we're saying, we won't be able to maximize and properly translate those personal feelings to HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, in, in, during the process of davening. Aside from the actual experience of davening, learning about tefillah makes it easier, practically, to daven. Suppose someone wakes up to shul, tired, 
the amount of energy that one requires to expense, to focus on what he's saying, to translate the words in his head, and recognize that Kashbarach was before him, requires an amount, a, a bit amount of energy. And being able to have already in, in your mind what you're saying, the framework of what you're saying, and the translations of the words already embedded in your mind, makes it much easier for you to focus on the other important aspects of tefillah, being Obey Lifnei Amalach, and also having a clear grasp of of, uh, of the tefillah at hand. It's similar in many ways to when one were, if one were to study for Lahavdil, a major exam, so it takes many months for a person to prepare for that that exam, studying the information, practicing on execution during a sh- short amount of time, and the goal of the, that all, the, all that preparation is that when you come to test day, you'll be able to more properly and readily bring up that information in your mind and execute it properly. Lahavdil, the same is true by tefillah. The more we practice and think about it beforehand, the easier it is for us to internalize it while we're davening and execute the tefillah process properly. The things we would like to emphasize about tefillah in general, being that this is the really the first year in introduction to tefillah, um, is that tefillah is not simply just asking per se. Obviously, it's a major part of our tefillah, and it's a major way we connect to Kosh Baruch Hu, but if you notice in our tefillah, there's a lot of buildup before any requests are really made. We have Pesukah de Zimra, we have Berchus Kriyashma, and even in Shemona Esri, if you notice, it's not all about Bakashos. You have first Shvach, you end off with Hodah. Even within the Bakasha section, there's a lot of praises we're giving to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not to mention, after our Shemona Esrei, we're just basically saying praises to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. So it seems to be Tefillah is not focused solely on the Bakasha aspect of davening, and, and in Halacha, it seems to be some from, some from, from some Rishonim that it's not even encouraged to expect an answer from Tefillah. The Rashbam in Baba Bas, or Kuf Sabach Dalad Notes on the Gemara that, that says that there are three things that people sin every single day. And one of these sins is Yunat Tefillah. And the Rashbam explains that this sin is actually very interesting. And he explains it as the following. He says, after one davens, he do, he's done believable. He, he makes a conclu- conclusion in his mind. Shisham l'akash baruch tzchara. Shisham will respond to what I, what I asked for. V'yasa kash baruch tzarachav. V'yishma tzfiloso. He's going to answer my tzfilos. Why? Because I daven properly. And the Gemara says that's a sin. Indicating that it's not simply the goal of Tefillah to get an answer. It it seems to be more about the process itself of requesting that interaction and that, uh, you could say, connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is really the focus of Tefillah. Refersh explains that if you notice the word Tefillah, when one says it as a verb, it's in a form called hispa'el, which is a, in English a reflexive verb, a verb that's saying, I'm doing something to myself. And davening, according to that understanding, is doing something to yourself. What is that? And it first explains that the word tefillah comes from the word shor, the shorish palel, which means to judge. When one davens, he's effectively self-judging. He's evaluating his own understanding of Akash Baruch Hu, and he's trying to integrate that understanding more into his life. Again, tefillah seems to be not just the act of requesting, but it's really the process of integrating the connection you have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu more during this process. In many ways, tefillah could be, aside from outside of a, being a descriptive expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's praises to, to, from man, it could really be a proscriptive inter- experience in the sense that you're reading from a text understanding what's being said, and integrating that into your own life, 
making yourself more connected to Akash Baruch Hu. Rav Hirsch, uh, on the says, on the Chumash, notes that because tefillah, in many ways, is this prescriptive uh, uh, type of experience, when one isn't motivated to daven, that's the best, that's the most ripe time for him to engage in the tefillah, because it's indicative that he has more, much more to work on, more to improve on, more to integrate, and he should take advantage of that, of that experience. Because tefillah, again, is trying to be a process-oriented experience, it might be that's the reason why tefillah is in many ways so repetitive. We see the same type of nusach tefillah, we say it three times a day, consistently. And while there's an aspect of chiddush hadavar, effectively the essence of tefillah is again this repetitive process where one inculcates at a deeper level every time he comes before Akash Baruch Hu to integrate those ideas more and more into his life. It might be the idea as well why Chazal have its line, halavai shespalu b'chol yom, halavai that people should have it every single day. Obviously, the implication is not that one should be davening all the time. It's used in different contexts in halacha, by tefillah sandava, the tashlumen. But the general idea seems to be that there is this idea and value of having tefillah being a process, that a constant process that allows one to become more and more closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu through that process. Aside from the results of that experience. As tefillah is being a process of integrating an awareness of Akash Baruch Hu and a relationship with Akash Baruch Hu, it might be that itself is the process in how tefillah uh, effectuates itself. The Gemara in Babakama Dafnun recites has a story about a certain individual who would fill wells for the only regal, and it was a big mitzvah that he would he would do every single every single month, every single year. And once the Gemara relays that this person's son fell into a well. This person ran to the Tana, Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, and asked him, what, what do I do? So Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa told him, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. And in fact, this person came, the, the child came out of the well, and the people asked Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, how do you know this? How do you know that he was fine? And he answered the, uh, a very famous line, lo navi anochi, lo ben navi anochi, I'm not a prophet, I don't, I don't know the future. But he says it has to be the case. Elakach amarti. How can it be this person is so invested in wells? He's trying to help people and help Klayasal come to the older regal. How could it be that he'll be nichshal? He'll have suffering from the same water that he's trying to do, do uh, as a, use as a mitzvah. But the Gemara has a very interesting postscript and says that even though his son didn't die from the well, but his son died from thirst. Um, and, the, and Tosos there asks a, a question. He, he says, how could it be that's the case. Rabbi Chanina Bedosa's argument should still be applicable that Akash Baruch can't cause pain to a person who's using water as a mitzvah. How can his son die from thirst, which is lack of water? So Tosos gives a certain answer. However, the Shita Mekubetas and Baba Kama Dafnun explains that the reason why the son ultimately died from Samba, from thirst, even though the argument of Rabbi Chanina Bedosa still should have been applicable, was because Rabbi Hanina Mendoza passed away. Because the tzaddik who davened to Akash Baruch Hu wasn't present uh, during that time when the, 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 the son died of thirst, the tefillah wasn't able to be effectuated. My Rabbi Rav Lachman would explain to us that that's exactly the essence of tefillah. It's all about the hakara. If there's someone in the world who has a deep appreciation of, of an understanding of how Akash Baruch Hu works, the tefillah 
effectuates that response in real time. However, when that person's not available, not present in the world, then even though we could be reciting the same words, because that relationship and that hakara of Akash Baruch's interactions in the world is, is, is missing on a essential level, so Hashem won't respond the same way as, as He's done before. You find this similarly in the Gemara in Tennis, where Rebbe, the Tana, Rebbe made a Tainus because there was a lack of rain, and one of the um, Tanaim basically simply said the words, Mashif Haruach, He didn't even ask Akash Baruch anything. He just recognized Hashem as the one who gives wind and deli- delivers rain, and rain came. Again, indicative that the Bakashas aren't necessarily the thing which causes a response in tefillah. The Bakashas are the means to have the Hakara to then elicit the response. And therefore, if a person has this deeper recognition of Akash Baruch Hu, even before the Bakasha stage, that could actually elicit a response in tefillah. We find a somewhat similar explanation of, of this mechanism in the Sefer Ikrim, in Chelek Dalid, Parak Yudchas, where he explains how a person is able to daven and change the world, even though there was a already set Gzardin from the times of Rosh Hashanah Kippur, making it arguably impossible to change the world. And he explains that while it's true Hashem made a Gzardin, um, he made a Gzardin for a certain type of person. And when one davens, he's actually changing himself. He's gaining a deeper awareness of Akash Baruch Hu, and that's actually changing who he is in essence. And therefore the Gzardin for this new type of person is different than the previous type of person. And that's how tefillah, tefillah functions. Again, it's the idea that the process of tefillah changes the way we have a relationship with Akash Baruch Hu, changing the way Hashem interacts with the world, and also the, the way, in, in many ways, how we ourselves change through that process as well. And just a final piece on as an introduction to tefillah, there's a lot of shvachos, as we mentioned, um, in, in tefillah. In our modern world, we don't find so much of this effusive type of expression. In many ways, it's kind of uh, discouraged, and it, for us, it leaves us with a little bit of a disadvantage coming into tefillah. And the goal of this set of shiurim, again, is to sensitize us to that method and how to express that praise. Just concluding this this introduction, Refresh explains, off, based on the passage of Bahushar, Basada, Chatzrosah, Fisila, one enters the gates with thanksgiving and then enters further in to the courtyard with Tehillah, one first needs to have some personal connection and thanksgiving and appreciation of Akash Baruch Hu before he can enter deeper and give a general praise of Akash Baruch Hu. And that's a basic point. In order to feel connected to Akash Baruch Hu in a, just a recognition, in recognition of Hashem's creation of the world and His might and power in the way He expresses the world, it's important to recognize the personal connection you have with Him the fact that He created you, He's involved in your life, in whatever capacity. And that allows you to then expand that appreciation beyond yourself and looking and be able to observe the world and recognize Hashem in a, in a real way. So in terms of structure of the set of this, this set of Shurim, this uh, tefillah outlined, we're trying to basically create an outline of, of tefillah. We're first going to introduce tefillah in its place in davening, the halachic background, the history, the sources where we find this in the Rishonim and the Achronim, of each, uh, trying to explain within each subsection of the tefillah where its place is in the davening and why it's there. Then we're going to, going to go through each, each section um, with four steps. We're going to give a general structure of each section, going through the subsections, listing them from one to whatever. 
Then we're going to go in details of each subsection, word for word, phrase by phrase, trying to explain what the translation is, what the context, what's the flow. Then we're going to conclude with an overall summation of this section, going through to review quickly the subsections. And then we're going to give just background based on our explanation of how this fits in to the general themes of Tefillah and the progression that's, that's occurring um, by that point. We, we use the sources that we're going to be using in our Tefillah, uh, Shir is going to be specifically Perushim of the Rishonim and Achronim from, from Tehillim and Tefillah. Um, on Tehillim, we're going to be using basically the Mikros Kedolos, um, Rashi, Radak, Ibn Ezra, um, the Malbim, and Ev Hirsch, specifically, specifically those two because they give great thematic explanations of the Tefillah, of the Tehillim that's being said, and those themes carry through throughout their Perushim. Um, as well, when we go to Tefillah, which is outside of really of the Pesukim Zimra context, when it's more the Mamarim of Chazal, using the, the words of Tehillim and using different sources to explain, uh, to, to, to describe what Tefillah is, <clears throat> we're going to be trying to use different Mepharshim, Rishonim, like the Ravon, the Riben Yekar, the Avu Jaham, um, excerpts from the Kuzari, um, as well as Samachronim of Hirsch and the Otsros at Tefillah, as well to try to give, number one, general overview of what's being said, as well as the in detail depth of what each word and each phrase is and how it fits into the general picture of, of the tefillah. And we're going to be getting with Pesukim Zimra, starting with Pesukim Rashir and Mitzvah Shem. Each, each week, we'll try to add another section, ultimately trying to finish the tefillah shachol and moving on to tefillah shal Shabbos and Mirza Shabbos.